Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hi, welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman. This is the third episode of a six-part series looking at ways to overcome the biggest mental health challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. On this episode, we're talking about what it's like to be diagnosed with type 1 diabetes as an adult. It's a different experience being diagnosed as an adult. You remember life without diabetes, so adjusting to life with diabetes and everything involved in your new normal can be a real struggle. My guest today is Adelina Pink. Adelina is in her early 30s and she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes last year. And her adjustment to having diabetes hasn't been easy, but she's found some really interesting ways to make the most of it. Adelina is a lawyer who spent most of her time not enjoying being a lawyer. But when she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, she realized she could use her advocacy skills to help others with type 1. She's also started a really awesome fundraiser to help provide support to people who have been recently diagnosed with diabetes. Here's my conversation with Adelina. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I uh, really want to take some time today and hear about your story. I know that you're recently diagnosed as an adult with type 1. So tell me about your diagnosis. So, uh, yes, I was diagnosed a little bit less than a year and a half ago. So it was March 8th, 2019. I'll never forget the date because I fought with my insurance for coverage for a good good year. <laughs> so I will always remember the, the claim date. I was 31 at the time. I had just recently got married. Finally moved out of my parents' house, living with a quote-unquote stranger <laughs> for all intents and purposes. Um, and we were about six months in. We just... Um, January, we had just come back from our honeymoon. And as I came back, you know, I started seeing my family and friends after a long period of not seeing them. And, you know, a lot of them had mentioned, like, Adelina, are you okay? You look a little off. You look, something's not right with you. How are you feeling? And like I said earlier, I'm a lawyer. So my job is stressful in itself. That's the nature of it. So Feeling tired, to me, wasn't anything new. Little did I know, that was fatigue, one of the, one of the very well-known symptoms. So I just said, you know, I'm fine. I feel fine. Everything's fine. I, nothing, nothing is different. But slowly, from the end of January until my diagnosis in the first week of March, I had lost maybe about 25 to 30 pounds. Um, I was constantly thirsty, Mm -hmm. um, frequent urination. But again, before that, it had become, that was a thing that was like a, um, it was a common joke amongst my friends that wherever I had to go, there was a road trip. I had to make all the stuff because I had to use the restroom. And it was just an ongoing thing. So to me, it just seemed like, oh, it's just another regular day. I couldn't get enough water. I started to get very emotional and I'm not a very emotional person. Yes. And several days before I was diagnosed, I had taken some days off because I just wasn't feeling well. I was getting extreme abdominal pain. My mouth was always really dry. 
and I was crying on the dot but, but from like the smallest things yes and I had become so emotional about things my responses to everything were significantly more emotional than before um, I would get very irritable I would cry all the time and to me I was thinking I don't know what's wrong with me. what is wrong with me is it I can't handle the stress this additional stress because now I'm in this new environment of you know living on my own with somebody else and all these thoughts are going through my head so uh, the morning of I my husband and I were leaving the apartment and he usually drops me off at the train station so we're waiting for the elevator and I just I I couldn't stand up I was just like you know what I really feel bad I we I need to stay home I need to stay home and I'm like let's just go back so I run back inside and and it was it was still cold so I had all my winter gear on and my bag and my hat and I'm just lying on the floor just like I feel so terrible I don't know what it is call my mom <laughs> my, my mom your initial response right in, in my head was mom um but besides that, she's also a nurse and she hates hearing my diagnosis story because she feels guilty. Because she hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But she always when she thinks back at it, she always asks herself, like, why why didn't I notice this? Why did I miss this? I you know, I'm a nurse, I'm somebody in the medical profession. My um, mom is a nurse too, and she has the same feelings. I was I guess when yeah. I was twenty one. Yeah. And she's and she saw me and she she kicked herself for not making me go to the doctor sooner before I was actually diagnosed. It was the same thing, and and I I'm that I was that person where I would avoid going to the doctor. I was due for my annual, and then I would just bypass it, bypass it. And she would keep pushing me, make a doctor's appointment, make a doctor's appointment, and I did for end of that week, which was two days after I was diagnosed. Just lined up like that, and I called her, and she's like, "Okay, I'm coming over." Um, and I had a history, every time I would get blood work done, from when I was little to, you know, a couple of years before my diagnosis, I, my fasting sugars were always very low. I was having hypoglycemia. I was fully functional, but I, my blood work was usually showing me blood sugars of 45, 50s, in the 60s. That was the norm for me. So her initial thought process was, oh, maybe your blood sugar is low. Here, have some juice. On the way to my place, my grandparents don't live far away. My grandfather actually has type 2 diabetes. So she said, I don't know what came over her, but she was like, I'm just going to stop and ask, um, it's her father, if I can borrow his spare glucometer just to check. It's a good thing she did. She checked my blood sugar. I didn't eat anything yet. It was like 8 a.m. I was at 440. She said, we have to go to the doctor right now. The doctor that you made an appointment to, they'll see you now. I come in, they, you know, they do the whole urine test and blah, blah, blah. They see that there's just about anything and everything in there. And my blood sugar is rising. And my doctor's like, you need to go to the ER right now. That's it. Drop everything. You're most likely in DKA, which I was. So I got rolled into the ER um, I can, you know, I was de really, really dehydrated. I like, I, I feel, I can still remember looking down at my hand and I could like see my skin dry and looking back at it now, I'm just thinking, why was I in so, I was in such denial because I saw that there was something wrong with me, but I couldn't for some reason 
put it together. Obviously, I didn't know anything about type 1 or diabetes in general. The only person I knew who had diabetes, granted it was type 2, is my grandfather. I don't have any close friends or any family members that I know who have um, type 1. But I knew that there was something wrong with me. So I was, I was in the ER. I was, I think I went through in 24 hours, I think I went through like 12 um, those fluid IVs because I was just so dehydrated. And the doctor, and every doctor that passed by me was just like, oh yeah, you have diabetes, you have diabetes. And I was just like, I'm like it wasn't processing, you know? I'm just like, okay, so are you just going to give me this IV and I'm going to, you know, I'm good to go and I, I can leave? No, no, you're going to, you're, we're putting you into the ICU. You're going to be here for a while. So I spent three days in the ICU, um, one day on the regular floor because I had a really nice nurse um, in the ICU and she was like trying to convince me like, you know, everything's going to be okay. She actually had a cousin she mentioned that had diabetes type one and she's fully functional and don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. And she was so positive. So I'm really thankful that she was my nurse while I was there because she helped me get used to seeing, you know, an insulin syringe and she let me give myself insulin, you know, so I can get a feel for it. And it's because of her that after the third day I was supposed to get um, discharged. I was just like, I'm scared. I don't, I, I don't know what to do yet. She's like, okay, maybe we can convince them to like keep you on the floor for one more day, which is what happened. Yeah. And I got discharged and I was discharged with basically no knowledge about any of this. I had to do, I was supposedly being um, supposed to be educated by a diabetic education nurse before I was discharged. My education was made up of um, a printout of what to eat, what not to eat. This is like, you know, things I should avoid, things I shouldn't avoid. The 15-15 rule, if you're having a low, uh, the insulins that I'm taking and um, when, am I, when I'm supposed to take the insulin. They just handed it to me and asked me, okay, do you have any questions? And I'm like, um, <laughs> where do I begin? And, and I, I was just sent on my way. I, I always tell the story that the prescriptions that I got were for my, my meter, my insulin pens, and apparently, and no pen needles, because apparently they thought I was going to ingest it somehow through osmosis or whatever. So did you realize when you got out of the hospital how much your life was going to be changing after this not, diagnosis? Not really, even though after spending four days in the hospital and dealing, or trying to deal with it, I didn't really understand how every aspect of my daily routine, daily life was going to be affected by it. You know, I try, I dove right into educating myself and I tried to do as much, you know, reading up on it. I went online, I started ordering books. Um, that's when I also found out that there was like a really huge diabetic community online. And I started my separate diabetes Instagram and, and I just started, I wasn't very active in it. I was just reading other people's stories, reading their posts, trying to learn from them. And I started realizing that the set amount of units that I was directed to take for lunch, dinner, and breakfast, that's not how it worked. I was told, you know, here, take this set amount in the morning, this set amount at lunch, this set amount in the evening and you're good to go. And once a day, give yourself your long, long acting. 
And I was like, okay, whatever. Just not really realizing my blood sugars were doing this. <laughs> when did it hit you that this was going to be a big deal? I think it hit me, oh, the first time I got a severe low. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God. I'm, and my numbers started to become, you know, more and more quote unquote normal or in range, no longer in the 300s, 400s, like I was dealing with and functioning beforehand, before my diagnosis. And that's when I would, I started to become more in tune with my body and realizing like, oh my God, I'm feeling something. What is it? And then I realized, okay, I'm high. Oh, I'm low. It, it took took a little bit of time, but I started picking it up. Every day you're learning something new because your body is constantly going through different things and every day you have to adjust. So I became more and more confident with it. And by the time I had my first appointment with my endocrinologist, which was about a week, a week and a half after I was discharged, I came with a list of questions. <laughs> I, I taught her a few things about like new technology that was coming out. I made requests about, you know, I wanted a Dexcom. I wanted to check out what information they had on pumps. And she was like, okay, great. I can see this is going to be a good relationship because I'm not going to be just one of those patients that come in okay, your A1C is so-and-so. Any questions? No. Okay, go about your business. Come back in three months or six months. You know, I come in and always asking questions. I'm always pushing for tests or whatever, for, you know, discussing them with her. And that's like one of the things that I'm, that I'm always pushing is like you have to advocate for yourself because mm -hmm. nobody else will. You know your body best. You know how it should feel and how when something is wrong. So if you have a question ask your medical team, ask your doctor, your CDE, whoever it is you, you uh, see regularly or not regularly, but whoever you have a relationship with and push for it. Don't take no for an answer. That's how I, that's how I think. And so far it's been, it's been beneficial for me. So. What's been the biggest emotional challenge and struggle that you've had over the past year and a half in being diagnosed and having your life change in this way? Um, I think, I think this is, I guess this is tied in like emotionally and mentally, but mm -hmm. I've had, um, I'm still trying to deal with it now, but a lot of anxiety that came along with it. Um, I'm the type of person who likes to be in control and I like to be prepared and know what, what may or may not happen and be prepared for it. Um, as prepared as you can be, I think for diabetes if you have a low you know you'll have a slow snack on you you have insulin on you in case you, you spike or something going on it still has this effect on your life where sometimes you do need to stop what you're doing and give yourself you know 10 15 minutes to just recoup and then go about your business so for me I had and I still do have a bunch of anxiety from going too low or what if I'm in a situation where I'm alone and I'm far from home, which like, you know, to me mentally is like safe zone. That's how I associate, you know, home. that's where everything is. That's where I know how to deal with this. And so I, it took me a while to like get back into living my life. I, I don't want to say normally, but that's where my mind goes to. But as as not as affected 
by diabetes mentally as as I can. So it it has a toll on like the people around you, obviously. And when I got married to my husband, I, I was diagnosed after I got married, you know, so he didn't know about this going in. I didn't know about it going in. So it's also having him be on board with it and being okay with it. Thankfully, I have a really supportive uh, husband and a really supportive family. They're always there for me. But nobody's really going to know exactly what you're dealing with. It's except yourself because you're the one who's, it's your body. You know, you, you know what's going on with your blood sugars, what's affecting it, what's not. And whatever you decide to share with your supporting team is what they know. One of the biggest strengths I see with you is that you really dove in, one with your doctor, but also with the diabetes community. And I see a lot of people who have been di- who've had diabetes for many years and have never engaged with the diabetes community. But you really dove in headfirst from the very beginning. And I want to hear about how that's been helpful for you. Oh, I think the diabetes community is is a wonderful community. Um, being diagnosed, I think it, it's very bittersweet there's obviously the negatives but the community the type one community is really fantastic they're so everybody's so like genuinely happy for other people when you post like you have a good sugar day you know everybody's actually happy for you because they understand they they they've been through the same thing as there's always somebody who's there to give you like a tip or a trick if you're if you go and you ask a question somebody's always there to give you even supplies you're out of during quarantine I mean a lot of people were out of a lot of essentials you know the smallest thing even like alcohol swabs I met a lot of people who were like if you need something let me know I'll send it to you I don't care and it'd be somebody who's out of state who I've never met before face to face you know and I find that it's really refreshing and it's it's just I want to see surprising because (laughs) to me that's not what I usually see on a day-to-day basis but to meet people who are genuinely good people and who are willing to help when they're going through the same thing as well it's really nice and I really enjoy that and um like I said, in the beginning, I wasn't very active. I didn't post anything. And if I did, it was very, like, very small amounts. And there were never any pictures of myself. Just be like an item or my, you know, my meter or something like that. Um, and then during quarantine, they, everybody started having these, like, Zoom meetups. And, and, I, and, I, and I was like, okay, hey, I've never been to a physical meetup before. Let's go to one of these. It'll be fun. So I went to one. I liked it. And then there was another one that popped up. And then there was another one popped up. And the next thing I know, like my whole week was like filled with Zoom meetings with these, with these quote unquote strangers who then developed, like I developed friendships with them. And, and I started learning so much from everybody that I met how, and learning about their diagnosis um, and how they were diagnosed and where they were and what their experience was. And it was very, you know, it was very eye-opening. And I, and I, and I actually always took notes. Like if I had a question, if I heard something new, I was like, oh my god, I should talk about this with my doctor too. Like I should ask her about this blood test or what about this? And, uh, and just like even tips and tricks. Like if your Dexcom is blaring at you, 
you can turn off the Bluetooth and, you know, don't have to deal with that at night. And I'm like, oh, my God, I never thought about that. Like, it was little things even, you know. So you learn from other people. And I, I love that. And you make connections and form relationships. And it's been very helpful to me mentally as well. Because because of the anxiety that I had developed after the fact, after the diagnosis, and just being very like in myself and not being so open about it. And when I started, you know, virtually meeting so many people in the community, I just started to become more there's something about like meeting strangers, for some reason you just wanna like share your whole story with them. And just like opening up like that, I started to become more active in the community and started sharing things and and that's when I started my fundraiser. Yeah, tell us about that. Uh, yeah, so it's called Project Newbetic, New Diabetic. Um, and I don't know, just popped into my head one day. Um, I was, I have a copy of what many people call the Bible. Think like a pancreas by Gary, by Gary Schneider. And um, as one of the many books that I have on my bookshelves about type one, um, and I noticed it was one of those books that a lot of people liked because it was it was filled with a lot of information, but information that you can use when you're newly diagnosed, but also information that, you know, you can go back to no matter what point in your journey with diabetes you are, and you can implement something that you've read in it. So I just came up with this idea. I'm like, I want to help, like, I want to help other type 1 diabetics that are newly diagnosed because one of the trends that I noticed when I was talking to other um, diabetics who were diagnosed as adults was this notion, was this idea that they were just kind of like me, just like left with, you know, the insulin, here's your medication, come back and see us in whatever, whatever time frame, and just figure it out. By yourself essentially that's what it is figure it out by yourself meanwhile you start realizing you're dealing with the medication you are thinking for an organ if you stop and think about it, you're thinking for an entire organ and you realize how many things factor into this processing and you have to deal with this on a daily basis and you're using insulin that saves you but if you don't use it properly it can also kill you like putting that into a person's hands, like that's crazy. And I feel like nobody gives you that proper education. So I thought that self-education is the best way. I did a poll, that book won by a landslide. So I decided to do the fundraiser um, and I thought it would be a great way to incorporate other type ones. There's a lot of very creative, you know, everybody's like, I'm a type one and I do this or, you know, there are amazing people out there. They just so happen to have type one too. So there are a lot of, um, you know, people who are advocating for a cause or they're artists or they're athletes, something, something that they're doing. I thought it would be a good way of bringing other people and get them involved as well. So I reached out and asked for anybody to donate a design for a t-shirt. I got an overwhelming response and I'm so happy about that. I think as of this morning, we have 21 designs that are up. Wow. Yeah. And each design, except for like the two that I just put up, like as the initial ones, the, the remaining 19 are from 19 different designers, all type fellow type ones, and they've been selling and all the proceeds go to buying the books, uh, Think Like a Pancreas, there's a brand new edition that recently came out, and distributing them to newly diagnosed diabetics so that they can 
delve in as well and ask the questions that they want to ask their doctor and just be prepared. People have been reaching out to me, and, but also other uh, diabetics have been referring uh, friends or people that they know who are newly diagnosed. They benefit from the book. I've been reaching out. I've been compiling a list and then eventually within a few weeks after the first round of the campaign uh, sales um, wrap up, I'll be you know, starting the shipping process of the books to those who need it. So, yeah. That's awesome. In my practice, I've seen a lot of people recently who are newly diagnosed as adults in their 20s and 30s. And I think that that, that, pro, that poses some really unique challenges for folks. And not ones we talk about enough. We talk about we talk a lot about people being diagnosed as children, uh, but but having but being diagnosed when you're an adult, where you're you're newly married, you have a whole life behind you, and now you have to really transition. What's the best piece of advice that you would give someone in your position to make sure that the emotional aspects of diabetes don't hold you back after being diagnosed as an adult? I think the first. First thing I would tell somebody who's just been newly diagnosed as an adult is to step back, come to terms with it, and accept it first, because there are a lot of people that I met who said, you know, they, they were in denial for a while, or they would try to ignore it, but diabetes doesn't go away. Fortunately, that's, that's, that's what it is. So I feel like once you come to terms with it, accept it, that's when I think you can implement whatever you know management method you decide to. Discuss with your doctors. Be proactive, like I was saying. Advocate for yourself. Know know what it is that you have as much as you can. Like I did, try to do my best, and I learn every day. Learn what's going on in your body. Learn what is being affected. What affects it. The other day, I I was in the pool for the first time really since I was diagnosed and I didn't really know how like the heat and being in the pool would affect this. So I, I watched my CGM. I, so I, I think I figured it out. So don't be afraid also to try what I call now new things because there's like a, uh, there's like a before diagnosis and after diagnosis was like you said, people who were diagnosed as adults, they had their whole life before them. So they, they know one way. And then now that, now that they're diagnosed, they have to readjust. Even if it's slight tweaking or big tweaks, you know, you have to readjust and figure it out. It's now everything that you did before is now technically new because it, your blood sugars will be affected. So you just have to figure it out. But don't, don't, be, don't be afraid of asking questions. Don't be afraid of what your body does. Be involved with it. I feel like as type 1 diabetics, we're more in tune with our bodies. And I feel like, you know, when someone gets sick or you catch a cold or something like that, I feel like your blood sugars will tell you. So you, you, you can, you're more in tune with your body. You know that, like, okay, you know, I'm, I think I'm coming down with something. I, I know something is going on. Let's, let's see what I can do. Maybe I can adjust my basal. I'll call my doctor, see, see what we can do to actively, proactively do something about it. So... That's what I think it is. Just come to terms with it, accept it. Yeah, that's that's a hard part, but the sooner you do, the sooner you can live your quote unquote normal life. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for that wisdom and for telling us your story. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes is shocking for anyone, but I think that for people who are diagnosed as adults, there are some really unique mental health challenges that come along with that. The biggest being you had a life before diabetes that you remember very well. And then all of a sudden one day with your diagnosis, that life gets turned on its head and you have to learn a new way of living. You have to learn how to manage this chronic condition all by yourself. And in some ways you have to be able to form a new identity for yourself and see yourself in a different way. Adelina's experience and the challenges that she came across are really common for folks who are diagnosed as adults. Over the past couple of years, I've had quite a few patients come into my practice who were diagnosed as adults. And the challenges that they deal with and they're struggling with are actually very similar. Their struggles around the trauma of being diagnosed with diabetes, developing a new identity, and really the emotional challenges related to acceptance. How do I accept the fact that this is my new reality and living with diabetes is part of my identity and who I am and what I have to think about on a daily basis. And this is an experience that I can relate to very personally. I was diagnosed when I was 21, when I was in college. So I remember life very well without diabetes. And then I very much remember that shift. One of the biggest challenges that I experienced and certainly that I have heard about lots of other people experiencing is a traumatic beginning with diabetes, uh, starting a diagnosis where there hasn't been a lot of education. I've heard horror stories where people are diagnosed in the doctor's office and handed an insulin pen, a Lantus pen, and a Humalog pen, and say, say they say, see in a month, with no other type of information about how to take the insulin, how to eat, how to manage diabetes at all. Being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes is scary enough on its own, but then to have to deal with it with no information and no education and no good guidance on what to do can be terrifying. I think one of the most important steps for people's mental health with diabetes is getting good diabetes education so they, they can feel confident and secure that they know how to take care of themselves and know how to stay healthy. And when that sort of education and support isn't offered a diagnosis, or isn't offered well or is put off, that leaves people on very unstable ground and can make people very, very anxious. Adelina also talked about how when she was diagnosed, she knew she was sick, but she didn't really know how sick she was until after she went to the doctor and to the hospital. I remember when I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes uh, and the, my symptoms came on, I kept on thinking to myself, these are going to go away soon. I just need one more drink of water. I just need to pee one more time. I just need one more day or a little bit more sleep and things will get better. And I didn't realize how sick I was. And that was Adelina's experience as well. I don't. She didn't realize how sick she was. And when she found out, she said that life just stopped in its tracks. And it's kind of a wake-up call and a, a pretty traumatic wake-up call to realize that you were really sick but weren't completely aware of how sick you were. And that realization is really traumatic. There can be a lot of guilt and a lot of shame around not being aware and asking yourself, how could I have missed these signs and symptoms? How could I have waited so long? How could I have thought that things are going to get better? Um, and they didn't. 
And sometimes people start to second guess their judgment, their judgment about themselves and then in the future about how they think about diabetes. If they missed these symptoms and they didn't realize how sick they were, how am I going to be able to take care of my diabetes well? And those concerns can lead to some anxiety around diabetes, which we'll dive deeper into in another episode of this podcast. In some ways, being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes as an adult means taking on a new identity and starting to see yourself in a different way. You may have seen yourself as a healthy, energetic person. And then after your diagnosis, you may wonder, is that really true anymore? Am I still healthy? Can I still do the things that I want to do and that, that I enjoy doing? People start asking themselves, what does having diabetes mean about me? What does it mean that I can and can't do? What are other people going to think about me? And the biggest question is, is, is being diagnosed with diabetes mean that I have changed as a person? Am I still the same person that I've always been or am I fundamentally different? And those are some really scary questions. And it takes time and effort and a lot of thinking and reflecting to figure out the answer. I think we can agree objectively that a diagnosis of type 1 diabetes as an adult, but what's important here is not objective reality, but your perception of yourself. And if, if you're diagnosed as an adult and life has completely changed, it can really feel like you have changed as a person. And that change can throw you off balance and make you feel unstable for a little while or even longer. The trauma of being diagnosed with diabetes as an adult, as well as the mind shift that you need to take in order to figure out how to live in your new reality of having diabetes, can cause some emotional challenges. And I think that I think that some of the emotional challenges that people who are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes as adults experience are similar to people who are diagnosed as kids, and some of them are different. And the ones that are similar may also take on a little bit of a different flavor and look a little different than they do for other people who have had diabetes longer. The first thing is the adjustment to having to manage diabetes and all of the thinking and work that goes into it. I think that for people diagnosed as adults who have been used to living their life without thinking about these things, all of a sudden now having to think about uh, diabetes all the time and think about what you're eating and how much insulin you're taking and how much you're exercising and the combination of all of those things. It can be a lot of head, take up a lot of headspace and be cognitively overwhelming. And that, that work um, can get really stressful, especially if you're not used to it. I think that we know that as you get more used to managing diabetes and it becomes more kind of part of your normal routine, it hopefully becomes less stressful. But in the beginning, all of that cognitive overload and all of that work and thinking that this is going to be like this for a long time or forever uh, can be really overwhelming and cause a lot of anxiety. Speaking of anxiety, anxiety is also another really common thing for people who are newly diagnosed to experience. Not knowing what to expect, not knowing how to manage diabetes and feeling really unsure and unsteady on your feet in the beginning can be anxiety provoking. Not knowing how to deal with lows, not knowing how to deal with certain situations, worrying about what might happen. These are all experiences that are very unsettling. And then there's the emotional challenge of acceptance, which is coming to terms with the fact that you have diabetes and that it's not going away 
and trying to figure out how to wrap your head around that and how to and make the best of that situation, even though it's not what you want. And it can be really uncomfortable to be there. As I talked about before, the opposite of acceptance is resistance. And when you resist diabetes, you're fighting it and you're trying to get rid of it and you're trying to struggle, you're struggling with it. And that usually makes the emotional challenges even worse because that fighting is really making you pay attention to it and making you struggle with it and making you focus on it. Coming to a place of acceptance with diabetes doesn't mean loving it or embracing it and saying, this is what I want. Coming to a place of acceptance means being okay with having diabetes and being uncomfortable sometimes, not feeling well emotionally, not feeling great physically, but being able to tolerate that and to live the life that you want, even though those things are there with you. There's no doubt that Adelina struggled emotionally after she was diagnosed with diabetes, trying to get wrap her head around what it means to have diabetes, trying to deal with all of the work and the new way of life and the new ways of thinking about things and how having to be prepared. But I think that she also brought to the table some really great examples of things that you can do if you're when you're newly diagnosed to help you to better deal with that situation and to get yourself to a place where you're on more stable ground emotionally. The first thing that she did, which I think was awesome, was she reached out to get support from people in her life as well as in the broader diabetes community. She luckily has a really supportive husband and she has supportive parents who are able to help her out and to help her navigate her new way of living. But also she took action and she went out to try to meet new people and become part of the community. I think what she found was that it was very welcoming and that she was able to get her questions answered. She was able to understand things better so she felt more comfortable and just be around people who get her and understand what it's like to live with diabetes. And that experience gave her uh, community and also a great sense of comfort. She also found some great ways to empower herself and to take charge of her own health and also her, her own experience with diabetes. And she did this in a, re- a couple of ways. First of all, she learned the right questions to ask and she used her support, her community support to be able to find what those questions are. So she could go to her doctor and really make the most of that appointment and make her doctor an ally in her diabetes care. She also empowered herself by finding a way to give other people like her in her same position the resources that she wished she could have had at that time. Her ability to give back and to make a difference in the community has really empowered her and helped her to accept diabetes and give back to others who could really benefit from the help and the support. And finally, she didn't resist diabetes. In fact, she found ways to work towards acceptance. She knew it wasn't always going to be easy, but it was important for her to be able to accept diabetes because she knew the cost of not. So she found a new community. She found ways to be involved and make a difference. And that really helped her to not resist diabetes and to accept the reality that she has diabetes for what it is, but also to realize that diabetes doesn't have to hold her back. Being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at any age is a big transition. And if you are newly diagnosed, no matter how old you are, I have a couple of parting words for you. First is be kind to yourself. This is a tough time and trying to figure out how to navigate living with diabetes is never easy. But I guarantee you that you got this and you got this with the support of your community. You have a whole community of people who are behind you and who are willing to help. 
but you have to make yourself known and you have to seek out that support and that help. But when you do that, I think you'll be surprised at how many people want to help you and how you can learn from them. And then work to empower yourself. Diabetes can feel very disempowering sometimes. So looking for ways to transform your diagnosis from being something negative to something where you can have an impact on your own life and life, the lives of other people in a positive way can help you to come to a place of acceptance with diabetes. I always love hearing from my listeners. And if you were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes as an adult, I'd love to hear about your experience, what you've done to come to a place of acceptance with your diagnosis, and what more work you need to do. Also, if you have any topics you'd like me to address in future episodes, please let me know. To get in touch, go to my website, thediabetespsychologist.com, or send me an email to mark at thediabetespsychologist.com. That does it for today's episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. If you like what you heard, I would really appreciate it if you would post a review on iTunes. Also, tune in next time for episode four of this six-part series, where we'll talk about anxiety and diabetes. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Thank you.